Hello and welcome back to When I Grow Up. I'm Molly Finn and on this podcast we chat all about jobs and young people at the start of their careers. This week uh, we've got someone so at the start of their career that they are still in university. I'm talking to Matthew Robinson. He is an inspiring director and is currently working in TV editing and production and he's so one of those guys that just does everything. He talks about how many societies that he's part of at his university, which seems to be all of them. Uh, and he's just a really humble, lovely guy. We've said a few times, I think we even say it in this episode, that the best way to get work is to be the nicest person in the room. And I can completely understand how he has already done so well. While he's he's not even finished his final year of uni, he's a genuinely lovely guy. Um, this is episode three of the podcast. I'm so proud of myself for managing to get three episodes in and out on time. Claps for me. Um, I produce this on my own. I make the whole thing on my own. So it takes a lot of motivation uh, to do a whole project by yourself uh, and kind of in a freelancey way. And Matt and I talk about that because he's freelancing while at uni. And it is a really, really enjoyable episode. So let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast, my Rani podcast. Glad to be here. We're going to take a deep delve into your life and what you're doing currently. But I want to start by asking you, when you were young, back in the old days, what did you want to be when you grew up? This is this is always a question. People have asked me this question recently and I've been... So when I was younger, I wanted to be a farmer, which is quite possibly the most furthest thing from what I'm currently studying and doing now like it's very much the opposite end of the sort of the arts <laughs> spectrum is um you know growing potatoes and stuff <laughs> I love that though why did you want to be a farmer was there like something that inspired you see I used to watch um I used to watch country file a lot I think that helped which is <laughs> yeah so I think that helped and um I don't know I just always wanted to like just like live out on the land and I think that just you're a man yeah. of nature I love that yeah I, th- I think yeah I used to just you know go out go out walking quite a lot and I think I just quite liked it and you know fresh air but well you're from Leeds the no- there's a lot. lot of hills and a lot of kind of you're in that sort of environment yeah, the surrounding area yeah. is quite it's quite uh, rugged yeah. I love that and so how on earth do you go from wanting to be a <laughs> farmer to wanting to do what you want to do well I think when I suddenly realized to become a farmer, that's going to be quite a, a, sh- a shift in, you know, none of my family have any experience in that. You're not from an agricultural background at all. Not at all. So <laughs> I'd have to go out and do that sort of, I'd have to go away and somehow find a way to, to become a farmer. It's not like I'd just take over the family farm or something like that. So I think I had that sort of idea. It's not going to be quite that easy just to do that. Yeah. Um, so then at school, um i kind of i kind of got involved in our media department which then kind of took me on a whole new kind of wow this is a crazy what age were you when you kind of started to get into this i say about like 15 okay well maybe a little bit younger before i remember i did in year 10 when i was say 14 15 Mm -hmm. i did work experience at the local radio station because my school actually had its own kind of community radio station within it that which is ran, so cool 
Yeah, it, it only ran for a week of the year towards the end after exams, after everything was sorted and they kind of basically went, don't do any lessons, we're going to do a radio show for seven hours a day for five days a week, which is crazy and something that nobody else really has to do. No, school is not, well, my school was definitely like, it feels like quite a progressive thing. Like media is something that not a lot of schools have the focus on, I don't think. No, I, I think certainly now and even as I was kind of leaving, it was shift into a very much a science and maths and English and like the, 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 the sort of curriculum was changing. And I think I was really lucky that my school actually had, it was quite a big school itself. It, I think each year we had a primary school, a secondary school and a sixth form. Oh, wow. And we had, um, I think we, when I started, we had about 250 a year and then it went up to 350 a year when I left. So it was, I think it was like the sixth biggest school in the UK or something. That's huge. Because it had like every single stage yeah. and it was a really kind of big intake. So, so were you there from reception to to end of sixth form? No. So I joined in secondary school in year seven and then did the sixth form as well. Um, and I think because of that, they kind of had a bit more resources to kind of do things like that and you know spend a bit more money on media equipment as opposed to small schools who probably can't afford to kind of stray to anything a bit more a bit more artsy you started on your school's community radio which still is got to wrap my head around that like most i'm gonna text my old head teacher and be like excuse me this is what you need to be doing because i would have loved that school obviously um and then from there it kind of snowballed yeah so so my sort of involvement in that as well snowballed and I started off in year seven. I did like a five minute um, show. I think we did it in partnership with the maths department. We did some sort of maths quiz. Nice. And then the next year I kind of got involved in more of the technical side. Um, and then kind of year nine, year 10, I got involved in sort of producing some of the shows and kind of the whole output of the week as it, as it kind of grew and grew. And then when I got to sort of year 12 and 13, I was the one who was in charge. Every kind of year, there was always one or two students who were kind of in charge of the whole week. Um, And I kind of became this person who was in charge of planning things, making designs, graphics, building the station. Um, So, like, I just kind of got more and more involved and kind of loved it and loved it and loved it. That is such incredible experience at such a young age. That's amazing. It it was a really... I don't think without that, I don't think I would be doing the sort of things that I'm doing today. Absolutely. So during that time when you're kind of 15, 16, did you have a part time job as well? Yeah. So I well, yeah. So I I started off, I think I've always been one of those people who kind of I like to be busy. I like to do things. And, you know, I started off when I was like 14 with a paper round, as I'm sure a lot of people. Classic. As a lot of people do, you know, they start <laughs> off a that, paper round. You were that guy that was like chugging around in the rain, like, I don't yeah. want to do this, it's not yeah. worth the money. <laughs> yeah, literally 7am, um, <laughs> just 7am, pouring with rain and, you know, you get paid not a lot for, it's for, not for a lot, what you're is doing. It? <laughs> it's really not a lot. But also what, uh, I've always thought this about people who have had paper rounds, it's such a good way of training yourself to be like have a good work ethic i think yeah. when you can commit to that at such a young age from there you are setting yourself up very well i think i think that like discipline and as well it just helps to because i mean i'm sure in sort of high school towards the end you know people go out to parties people like to enjoy themselves especially on the weekend and i used to do a paper round on a sunday 
um, and occasionally cover kind of for some of the people midweek. Um, but it was mostly just on a Sunday, which obviously is at the day after Saturday. So every every single week would be it would be like Saturday. It'd be like Saturday evening. I'd be like, oh, am I staying out for longer or am I going home so I can sleep? And then if I did stay out for longer, it'd be like Sunday morning. Would be like, oh no, I need to get up. Um, did you do it every Sunday? Did you ever take a Sunday off? Every Sunday for apart from when I was not able to be there. Yeah. Um, because I was away or for, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I think I only missed it once while I slept in in about four years. So that's I think that was pretty very good. impressive. <laughs> I take my metaphorical hat off to you. <laughs> very well done. I think it is good. It trains you to, to be able to. So I don't feel it as much now when I wake up because I'm like, oh, it's, it's eight o'clock or oh, it's seven o'clock. And, Has it made no. you an early bird? Or are you a night owl? Um. I think I'm a bit of an early bird, to be fair. That, that might you? have had something to do with it. Yeah. Um, I like to get up early, you know, coffee, breakfast, shower, and then at nine o'clock I'm at, I'm at my desk and I'm, I'm that going, paper I'm round has trained you. It has. It to has to be very well. an early bird, and I imagine going into directing or whatever you do eventually, like have full time. You are going to be the one who's like, "Come on, everyone, I'm ready." <laughs> I'm up. I'm here Let's to go, go. and that's going to serve go. you well, especially with Fingers those crossed. horrible early mornings. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I can't bear early mornings. I'm dreadful. <laughs> like I'm honestly, nobody talks to me for the first hour after I wake up, and then when when I've kind of come around, yeah. I'm like, are you you okay now? Are you are you safe? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I admire any any early birds. I think about two years into that, the shop that I was doing the paper on from offered me sort of a like a job, like a part-time job. But mm-hmm. the thing with this job was it was what it was very much like a zero hours, like unofficial, like cash in hand kind of deal. <laughs> like, you know, the ones when you're like under 18, you're definitely, being not that underpaid. Legal. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely being underpaid for what you should be paid. Like, and the, the problem was it was six, it was six till nine. And it was either from memory, Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays or Saturdays were the four days I could work. But it, I wouldn't know if I was working until potentially like an hour before. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> Sounds very was, legit. Yeah. Sometimes it would be like they'd tell me like on a Tuesday or Wednesday and Friday we need you. Or sometimes it would just be, can you come in now? And I would be like, sorry, guys, can't come out anymore. <laughs> Got to go to work. I'm actually at work in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Didn't know about it, but now I am. And it was just... Surprise. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what my parents thought of that. They probably thought, what is he doing? But... <laughs> You know, I mean, it got me money. It got me money yeah, anyway. Yeah, and actually, again, it just goes back to that. You must have such a strong work ethic if you're willing to give up whatever plans you had at last minute for that and and for being underpaid, as you said. Uh, yeah, I think it was just fear of, like, fear of them turning around and saying, oh, this isn't acceptable or, oh, you can't you can't just not turn up or something like this. Do you like think this. you still have that now as, as yeah, a grown-up? Yeah, I feel like a little bit. I feel like I've not got to that stage in my career where I'm completely, like, comfortable or... Yeah. Like if somebody said we need you in ten minutes, I'd be like, I'm off. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm the same. Like yeah. if somebody said to me they're like, come in now, I would literally drop everything and be like, yeah. okay, I'm here. I'm here. Literally, what do you need from me? It's one of those things where, like, especially in kind of freelance work, it's very. Sometimes you might have a month where you've got you can't get any more in, or you might have mm. a month where you've got literally nothing. Yeah. So, if someone offers me that, like, I'm like, yeah, you can pay me not enough, and you can treat me like. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, whatever you... I think the other thing is as well, when you are freelance, you're so dependent on 
employers liking you and employers wanting you to come back and work for them again that you there is a a natural fear of saying no and and of not of turning down work because you don't know when the next lot of work's going to come up and you don't know if that will reflect badly on you for future work it's really scary being freelancer yeah really is (laughs) and there's no preparation for it whatsoever it's very much just like and like when i got my first kind of freelance thing it was like i was like like I was like, I need to register, I need to insurance, I need public liability. I was like, I need to tax assessment. I was like, I didn't oh, do any gosh. of this in school. Like, they don't teach me this. They're the just... fear that I had that I was going to accidentally commit tax fraud. Oh, yes. And I remember calling my dad and he was like, you need an accountant. And I was like, what? I was like, no, I don't. And he was like, yes, you need an accountant. I'll, I'll get one on the phone. I was like, oh my God, this is a world I know nothing about. I've had no training for. And yeah, tax is terrifying. Registering yourself is terrifying. Yeah. I always think the thing that worries me is like, if I can't go into work, I there's no buffer for me. I don't have like sick pay. Yeah. I don't have somebody who can cover me or I can just text it. Or could you could you do this for me today? Like, if I don't go in, it's on me, and that could be the end of my work with those people, which is really scary. Literally. It's not all doom and gloom that I've really made that sound so like... <laughs> yeah, it is scary, but it is also got its benefits. Like, it is oh, very big good. time. Like, no, I think it's it does give you that freedom, and, like, I like that, that say, somebody working a nine-to-five, like, if I say to my dad, do you want to go and do... Watch this film. It's on at three o'clock or whatever. He can't go yeah i can work or oh, he, he's like oh, i'm sorry i'm at work i can't do that whereas i can go oh i can go watch the film at three and i can do my work later like if it's not sort of a, something where i have to do it like i'm not committed to hours generally yeah and you can set your own deadlines which is always exactly, yeah it's it's a hard thing it's again that self-discipline thing is so important mm. in setting yourself deadlines and so i think at first getting your head around okay this falls on me and only me and nobody's going to run after me but have you done this it's uh, that's my responsibility takes a while to get your head around so what were you like at school what were the things subjects that you studied that you enjoyed and like kind of led you to to being where you are at uni so 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 after the farming thing and sort of (laughs) before the radio thing (laughs) i sort of I, i kind of like, I was really into, like, I was a bit of a nerd in school, or certainly towards the start of school. Um, and, like, I really liked, like, rockets and, like, planes and stuff like that. So I wanted to do, like, engineering sort of thing. So I did... So for A-levels, I did... So I was originally going to take four. So I did maths, further maths, physics, and media. Um, and then I ended up dropping physics when I kind of kind of moved. And I just went... I don't want to... Like, I don't enjoy this. Like, I actually enjoy doing more creative yeah. things. And Can like, I just say, you did media... And further maths. Did yes. people go, um... Yeah, everyone the... was like, what's... Like, this is what's a really strange bunch. <laughs> and I was just like, I like this, but I also like this. I did drama, English literature and chemistry. And everyone was like, um, what? what why are you doing chemistry? And I was like, I don't, don't know. I just like the teacher. She's really nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I ended up doing physics. And I think I dropped out after the first three months because they set, like, loads of work. And I was like, for me, like if I enjoy work, I'll do it straight away. Or if I, if it's not, because it was so like difficult and I had to like sit down and think about it so much. I was like, I struggled to like do like a lot of like revision for certainly more like the physics and the maths because I just yeah. didn't really enjoy it. I think I was talking about this on an, on another episode and we said 
when you enjoy what you're learning, even if it's difficult, if you're enjoying it, you will push yourself. But when you find that A, it's difficult and B, you aren't enjoying it, it becomes such a burden that you just, I think you switch off. And I did that in school a lot. If I just wasn't enjoying it, I, I wasn't even prepared to try. It was, I know that's a terrible attitude, but I think that's the benefit of doing A-levels and being able to have that option and uni as well. Mm, that was That was definitely me. I like... My parents always joke about it, like, my brother, he's very, um, like, he's dyslexic as well, so it doesn't help, but he's not as, don't know, like, he's not as naturally kind of clever, he's more, like, sporty than I am, but I'm kind of more, always been a bit more academic than he has, um, but he's, like, his, like, work ethic with when it comes to exams and stuff is, like, much more than me, and he's like, oh, I'm like, what's he doing? He's like, oh, he's doing revision, I was like... <laughs> Like, I've never really had that drive when I was at school, especially mm-hmm. for the first year. Revision is such a slog, and it's so hard to be... Like, because there's, there's almost like an arrogance within you that's like, I've already learned this. Like, <laughs> I was, I went to the lessons, I know this, I don't need to revise. And then I remember sitting in my chemistry AS paper and opening the page and genuinely thinking it was written in Spanish. And I came, <laughs> I came out of the exam, and my chemistry teacher was like, you okay? And I was like, I think this might be the last time we see each other. <laughs> You're at the University of Salford. Why yes. did you choose there? What was it that drew you to that and, and your course as well? So I'm studying so I'm studying TV and radio at, at the University of Salford. So I think it was a couple of other places I looked at. Um, I think I looked at York, um, Middlesex and somewhere and a sort of there's a place called FutureWorks in Manchester where it's like a university, but it's not a mainstream university. Like they don't have any accommodation, but they just do the courses and you kind of sort the rest out yourself. So there's no societies. And that was what put me off that one. I kind of wanted that traditional like yeah. halls. You want the like, experience, societies. don't you? You go to university. Yeah, I wanted that like, you know, student radio, student TV kind of experience. That was very much like what I was going to uni for. Um, and I think that's what I've learned now as well is that, those things are the extra things that get you places like a degree in arts or certainly in tv and radio itself is not necessarily going to get you a job if you have a degree in tv and radio in my experience anyway um but those extra things and those kind of extracurricular stuff is what's going to get you the, the the opportunities to speak to people and also the opportunities to kind of um, enhance your skills as well if I hadn't have joined the societies that I joined I would not be in the position I'm in now I wouldn't have networked the way that I have and I I don't even think I'd still be doing radio I loved that side of uni that's probably my favorite part of uni better that I preferred yeah. it to my course should I say that no I, I I agree like that's the that's the thing that I find the most enjoyable is that kind of extracurricular stuff I mean I remember when I came, I, I think even this year, like even with coronavirus, there's still kind of a running joke with some of my friends. They're like, oh, what society are you going to do next? Because I genuinely like spent so much money on like joining societies and, and stuff like that. So there's... Can you list them like, all? Oh, what societies? Oh. Can you do okay, it? Okay, so... Come on. So Shock Radio, which mm-hmm. is our student radio. We also have Utter Radio, which is another student radio. So oh. this year I was on the committee for both of those. Whew. then hockey yeah um, which i was on the committee for 
um, Salford Snow, which is our ski society, rowing, which I'm now on the committee for, um, Keys TV, which is the student radio station, um, loads. There's, I've probably missed some as well in there, but people are always like, oh, you do that as well. We did a, um, the, the SU held a, a, a sort of event night on Valentine's Day, which was like, take me out. And um, yeah, so I was one of the people who was in the panel as um as tragic as that possibly sounds um wait so in the panel in as in like you were being selected the, or, or so you were selecting so i was select i was being selected being so we, selected the way they worked it instead of the buzzer you had a balloon that you popped if you like weren't interested but obviously most people kind of which kept is them so on. much more brutal <laughs> <laughs> but obviously you can imagine the sort of people perhaps who might have been involved you know they weren't all that like you know the, the really popular kids it was, but then because I was in so many societies, all of these societies were in the SU. So there was like people like chanting my name, like, and I was like, yeah, because just people knew my face because they'd seen me before, like trying all of this stuff. That's amazing. And I was like, I felt, honestly, I came out of there on a, on a, on a whole, yeah, I bet. <laughs> on a whole new high. Head like twice the size as <laughs> yeah, when you went in. I was like walking around like, yeah. <laughs> Who am I? Oh yeah, you know my name. <laughs> I love that. Did you get selected? Uh, I didn't, unfortunately. Oh, I'm so sorry. You finished your first year in June 2020. Yeah. So your whole second year has been pandemic. Pandemic. And you're going into third year, potentially still in pandemic. How's it been? Who knows? Who Who knows? knows? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been tricky, to be fair. I think, I think it's helped a little, in some ways it's helped because I think, I think in first year I was, you know, you, you, you like first year, you enjoy yourself, you go out all the time, you kind of, because it doesn't really matter too much within your course, you're not too worried about maybe kind of focusing on uni work, whereas this year, obviously, uh, my second year, it does kind of matter a bit more and it's all good about making those impressions on tutors and stuff like that. And I think it's helped me have more time to like focus on uni work. Um, but obviously doing a TV and radio degree it's very practical. It's a lot of the modules are quite practical, which has limited what we can do. So studio time and getting hands on with cameras and microphones and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been tricky in that that sense. Have they been able to adapt your assignments and things like that? Yeah. So in my, so I don't know how it works at some universities. Mm. I know that some people do like three trimesters or three semesters. Yeah. We do too. Yeah. We do too as well. So we, so in the first one, that was when we were kind of between September and December, that's when we were kind of opened up a little bit more. So we got quite lucky in the sense that they allowed us into the student, into the TV studios, which is when I happened to be taking my TV module. Oh, thank God. Which worked really well for me because I got to basically do the module sort of as normal, just with distancing and and masks and stuff, Um, which was great for me. But I know that people who did it in the second semester who got just, got randomly allocated the second class, they ended up um, doing it all online. I mean, how you can learn being in a TV studio online, I think by like two weeks, they when we came out of lockdown in April, they they were online, so. Wow. You know, they, they I mean, they were un- really unlucky there. But yeah. We, we got really lucky that that module, which was probably the most practical one, fell in that, in that time when we were allowed I in. mean, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy for anybody, but for doing a practical course, I, I can imagine. Um, you've obviously mm. done production running and things like that. How did you get into it 
in the first place? Like, how? What was your first gig? My first gig. So I've been, I've been quite lucky actually that the people that I met in um, specifically to do with keys in keys TV, kind of in the student um, TV station. So I think our a lot of I think our student TV station runs a little bit differently to kind of other um, like other ones mm. that sort of a part of the SU and they're kind of a student society, whereas ours is an offshoot of the journalism course at Salford. So we had a couple of opportunities where people came in to use the studio and therefore, and they sort of turned around and said, you can use the studio for a slightly reduced fee if you use our students to, and they know all the kit, they know all how to do it. So my first role was actually on a show called Love It Bucket, which was sort of a, a cruise tele shopping um, show which was broadcast at like 7 a.m. on, I think, really 5 USA and like National Geographic or some, some really random selection of channels, like really like 7 a.m. It was like repeated and we did a show like every fortnight. But unfortunately, due to coronavirus, that sort of stopped. Um, we didn't, didn't get paid loads for it. It was about 50 quid for the, the, the four hours that we were there or something. Um, but it was quite a good experience to see how that sort of thing and I suppose it's a good that, way of seeing of, if you actually enjoy the the yeah. real work, I suppose, because at uni it can sometimes feel like you're in a bit of a protected bubble and it's like, this is fun because it's mm. a society, but actually getting to work must have yeah. been a really good way of testing if it was something you wanted to do. Yeah, and it was all, it was all pre-recorded, so it wasn't massively mm-hmm. high pressure or high stress, which was possibly another sort of shield mm. around us for that, that sense. Um but yeah, just by getting involved with with that sort of society and that um, student station, kind of people that I'd met there who were perhaps in third year um, when I was in first year, and because I got quite involved, I became friends with quite a lot of people, and a lot of those people who've now left and have done quite well for themselves have kind of said, oh, do you want to come and help us for this? And, you know, I've been quite lucky in that sense that people have kind of remembered who I was and kind of said, oh, yeah, you should come and join us for this shoot, so... That's kind of where a lot of stuff has come from. You need such a good networking opportunity. I remember one of my lecturers saying on one of our very early, early seminars, the people in this room are going to be the people that you want to be friends with in in five, ten years time because they're going to have, you know, they're going to have power and they're going to have the job roles that you're going to want to get into or you might need them for something in the future. So make friends with the people in this room because you're going to need them. Yeah, I, I, I agree definitely. Like the, the, I think obviously the lecturers and stuff like that, they give you loads of advice and they teach you what you need to know and you know you learn that sort of stuff. But in terms of opportunities, I think that's one of the benefits. People say obviously you don't need a degree to do this, but I think that's one of the benefits that you get is that you know you're basically in a room or you're in a in a class with, let's say eighty people or fifty people that you know you all think the same, you all want to do the same sort of thing. And I think that's one of the benefits is that having that kind of environment around you, it really kind of drives you drives you on. I think it's a big inspiration as well when you see people around you that also really want to do and work in the industry that you want to work in. It really does sort of spur you yeah. on to kind of work. Especially when they get the opportunity yeah. that you want. You're like... It's almost co- I competitive. I, that should be me. Yeah. Like, it, it really it is that sort of competitive attitude and then people are, you know, people are sort of like... If someone shares their CV, I like look at it. I'm like, oh, they they're doing that there. Like, I I wanna I wanna get involved with that sort of like drop them a message like great CV. 
would love to if you need anyone like let me know give me a shout yeah yeah stuff like that and just i think it's that environment that really like spurs you on has there been anyone in particular whether that's like somebody you know or somebody who's in the career that you want that has inspired you or been like a figurehead that you look up to so i think certainly my first year so um someone who is from keys tv who is so in keys tv were meant to host the nasta awards um for whatever last year was um, 2020 2020 <laughs> i know um, don't mention but then it obviously covid <laughs> covid pushed it back and it ended up being sort of an online awards but um there's a who the guy who i was the sort of station manager or like the the student kind of person who was in, in in charge was joe wilmot and he was um who's now the nasta chair um he was kind of doing what i wanted to do you know he was like directing these programs for the student station and i was like i want to do that and like I remember the first, the, the, the cruise TV thing. I remember it, it just, the way I kind of got involved with that is I saw someone in the gallery and I was just like poking my head and they were like, oh, do you want to come like watch for 10 minutes? And I think I ended up staying for the rest, the other two hours for the rest of the show or something. Um, and I was just sat, sat back sort of like three weeks into uni, like, whoa, this is cool. I'm in a TV gallery. Like, I love this. This is great. And then um, they were like, if you want to get involved, like, drop this person an email and hopefully we should be able to get you on. And from there, like, it's just kind of my enthusiasm has gone. So I think without perhaps Joe saying that, like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been as involved yeah. in, in stuff as I am. Yeah. And how have you found, obviously we talked about your very first job, but how have you found trying to work and getting work relevant to what you want to do in COVID? Has it been a real challenge? Yeah. So again, I was quite lucky that the people that we worked with on the um, student TV awards kind of thought I was okay, did all right at what I was doing. Um, and sort of further down the line, when they had a couple of projects, they managed to kind of get me involved. So I've got, so at, at Salford as well, we've got a thing called Studio Salford, which is almost like a production company, but based within the university. Um, and we had kind of another iteration before, which was more on like a volu voluntary basis where students would basically do the work but they wouldn't get paid whereas now they've kind of which is great but when you've got students who are doing all these contracts using great equipment don't get me wrong they're probably learning something but I think it got to the point where the university realized that the people were the staff who were working on it were kind of profiting a lot from it whereas the students weren't really getting too much insight and obviously they weren't getting paid um, then we're getting training as such. So it wasn't really that much of a learning opportunity. It was perhaps a little bit exploitative in a way. And I think they've, so they sort of switched that around and they turned it into a, a sort of slightly smaller thing, but they kind of made it so that students get paid to, to do the work, um, which is great, which is had, which I've been on a few jobs with them, which has been quite good. Um, and it's been, because it's kind of a university thing. Some of the contracts are like internal, some of them are external. So it's not too much of a, it's sort of like a 50-50, like it's a safe environment, but it's also not a safe environment. You are working with clients who obviously will get upset, but if, if, if it's not good or there is that pressure that it, it can't go wrong, but at the same time, you're still in that university bubble a little bit. So it's been quite nice to start some of that stuff and kind of transition into more 
um, just general like freelance stuff. Yeah, I see. I see. So you've done. I've seen you've you've got a bit of a variety going on in your CV. Like you said, you started with almost like shop. Was it a shopping channel? Shopping programs? Yeah, like that- tele, like tele shopping. So they basically just yeah, like cruise selling cruises. Tele shopping. And then you've done... God, talk me through some of the, the jobs that you've done. Done some with... Um, so Studio Salford's done quite a few things with, and then SpringPod, which is the company that um, Joe, who was the NASA chair now works for, um, done some running with some production work that he's done, um, and then also doing some like freelance editing as well um, for them. So I've done that quite regularly. So you can do the editing, do you do that from home or do you go into the studio? Yeah, so I do I do editing from home, just on Premiere. It's quite like easy enough. It's not like really, um, really difficult, um, which is why I've tried to keep my sort of, try to keep doing like bits of both, like bits of everything really. Like I've not sort of gone down, I'm just going to do camera work or I'm just going to do this. I've basically just been like, there's an opportunity. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. I try to keep doing as many things as I can until I kind of have to specialise or, or stuff like that. Do you have any idea of what you would want, where you would want to specialise? I know directing seems, from what I've looked at on your social medias, directing seems mm-hmm. to be your passion. Yes. I think I think that's what I'd like to do, like, long-term or, or even more like, or even like engineering type um, sort of working in outside broadcasts as well would be good. Um that's kind of my my goal is like sports like sp- sports and like studio like directing vision mixing engineering I've, i because I, obviously with the the radio at school i kind of came to university very much like i want to do radio and then i kind of got to uni and didn't quite have the same enjoyment of it in the university environment whereas i really found tv and i was like i really like this so that's kind of where i've transitioned i've gone from doing sort of wanting to do sort of radio and sort of transition towards tv i think that's very natural though i think it's really natural to find your path changes as you're exposed to different things yeah and i think what you're doing that a lot of people don't do until much later is you're discovering your passions at uni and i know a lot of people who have graduated and then mm. they're like oh now i need to think about what it is that i want to do but you obviously have a very strong work ethic um, that has carried you through life. Just even the amount of societies you've joined is something that so many students need to hear and need to know, like, actually, this is what you need to be doing to get those jobs after so you don't have the massive freak mm-hmm. out. I mean, the freak out is inevitable. Sorry to say you up for that, but it is inevitable. You've obviously done a lot of different things. You're still at uni. You've still got the whole world ahead of you i don't know why i said that like that um (laughs) have you been given any advice along the way that you like has been something that you've carried with you the 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 one i've sort of carried with me the most is my grandma said to me she said she's not from a very um she was from quite like a working class background um didn't have very many opportunities as as a as a as a child and she said take every opportunity that you can and I think that's always stuck with me that I sort of said to myself when I was coming to uni, I was like, I don't want to get a job, like a part-time job, if I can avoid it, if it's financially stable, uh, for the first kind of, to give myself a bit of time to kind of try and set up, kind of get involved with things as opposed to saying, sorry, I can't do that because I've got to go to work in a career that perhaps, you know, as a, as a waiter or something that perhaps isn't going to, 
benefit me or get me those kind of that career progression that I perhaps wanted. And I said, if I can make it work, um, then I'm, then I'm going to try and do that. Even if I have to like not go out, then I, that's what I want to do. So I've been very lucky that I think, <laughs> I think if COVID wasn't a thing, I don't think I would have been able to do that. If I hadn't have gone home for, for summer, I think I would have been, I remember at the end of first year, I was quite significantly in my overdraft and I think going home and not having to pay for my food as, or not having to pay for as much of my food as when I'm living on my own was a, a bit of a saviour, to be honest. Um, and the fact that I couldn't go out anymore as well probably also helped. It does help a little bit. But I think you're right. It's about actually having the time to take those opportunities, yeah. which you seem to have given yourself. Yeah, I, I think there's been a couple of times where I've said to people, um, oh, can you come and help me on this shoot, you know? Or oh, I've got this this thing that might be a good thing for you to do. And they go, oh, sorry, I, I can't. I'm you know, I've got to go work at Tesco for eight hours that day. And I'm like, I know that that obviously is financially like people need to do that. But obviously I was like, if I can avoid doing that, then that's what I want to want to try and do, even if I have to like limit, limit kind of going out and stuff. And I think, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it really? I mean, I don't know. It's, I almost feel bad for, for people who can't kind of, who can't accept those, you know, who can't take who who don't have yeah, an option i they, suppose don't have they don't have an option they don't have a and i think that was the thing for radio for me a, a little bit was a lot of people say with you know you've got to do community radio you've got to do student radio hospital radio you've got to do all these things for free for years to work on yourself and then maybe you get a chance and i was like that that, that was certainly something which put me off a little bit because you're almost working for free like voluntarily and it's like, it just takes time, doesn't it? And I was like, I just don't have time to, 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 to get to that point. Yeah. And I think if you are so passionate about something that it's like, I don't want anything else, working mm. for free is okay. But actually, if you find your passion is maybe in a similar area, but slightly different, that yeah. then becomes even more like, actually, no, I don't want to do that mm -hmm. for free. And yeah. like, my best piece of advice I've ever had is, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life yeah, no and that's, i that's something i've always i just stand for. by it a hundred percent and i think if if you're happy doing what you're doing you almost don't obviously you need to be have money to live but yeah. it you don't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what yeah. you're being paid as long as you're enjoying it so this is a huge question um and it's going to be maybe almost too hard to answer so if it is feel free to say that but <laughs> where where do you see yourself I, d I never put a time on it because i really hate when people ask me where they see where i see myself in five years so what is your like ultimate i definitely want to get there and i definitely want to do that my like so i've got sort of like a bucket list of oh come things on. that i want to do so <laughs> i've always said i want to like direct a i've always said i want to direct like a, a, a show at glastonbury because <gasps> i think glastonbury is like Apart from the Olympic, I think the Olymp London 2012 opening ceremony is the greatest piece of television ever created. Mm -hmm. And I will stand by that until I die. And then I also think that Glastonbury is almost like the top of like television broadcasting in the UK. Well, you're, like, you're trying to give the people who cannot be at Glastonbury the Glastonbury exactly, experience. Exactly. And I remember just sitting there in my, um, in my lounge at home, you know, TV on, like, windows open, like just loving it and like it's great and i i think that's one of them 
and then I've always said I wanted to do like some sort of direct, some sort of like football match or rugby match at like a Premier League or FA Cup or something like that. Um, and maybe the Olympics, maybe the Olympics. Maybe the, like the Olympics. Just, uh, maybe the Olympics. Maybe it's something at the Olympics. That's like, that's like, if I, if I could do any one of those three, then like, that's it. I've, I've done what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're pretty immense yeah, goals. They're pretty, they're pretty like <laughs> crazy goals. So if I did even one of them, I'd be, Over the I'd moon. be happy. Yeah. In any, any time scale. But I, the thing about an aspiration is what sometimes when they sound hard to achieve, shall we say, people are like, all right. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you don't have that and you're never striving for more, that's when I think you can yeah. lose job satisfaction and lose the thrill mm-hmm. of what you're doing. I think chasing a dream is such a huge part of wanting to, to do more and wanting to carry on in your job. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to have those goals. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the episode. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I wish you all the best. And I'll probably, my plan is to catch up with everybody a year from now. That'd so be good. see how That'd you're getting good. on. And then it's like, when I'm just like sat here and end of uni, I'm like, oh, I've got, got no job. <laughs> nothing's happening. Got no prospects. Life's falling apart. <laughs> I'm back in Leeds. I'll Skype you. I'll be like, hi, how's it going? <laughs> and you're like, I'm, oh, like <laughs> I'm sure it will not be like that at all, but good luck with your final year. Thank you're you. going to be amazing. Uh, and we will speak again very soon. Will do.